Fitbit was established in 2007 and dominates the fitness tracker market. They've just announced revised versions of their flex and charge trackers, and some Fitbit executives were in Dublin to officially open their new EMEA headquarters, where they say they'll employ 50 people by the end of 2016. I sat down with Chief Business Officer Woody Scal, and we discussed gamification, their new products, and how companies like Fitbit might be able to unlock the potential of fitness tracker data for the benefit of customers, health services, and maybe society as a whole. First, I asked Woody about this significant investment for Fitbit outside the US. Uh, great to be here today, Andy. Uh, and Absolutely. Uh, the Europe, Middle East, Africa region has been growing very quickly for us, uh, actually in, in the second quarter of this year, it, it was two and a half times the size it was in the year ago quarter. So uh, a very rapid growth area, and, um, and yet the uh, adoption of Fitbit products is still at a much lower level than in um, North America. So we think there's plenty of room to grow, and uh, opening this uh, beautiful headquarters is you know, one sign of our investment in the, in the region. Part of it is that Fitbit invested first in North America. But there's some, uh, the interesting thing is that the same issues that Fitbit addresses, which is uh, encouraging people to be more active, getting more exercise, sleeping better, eating smarter, these are issues that everybody cares about. And the indication of that is that the UK has actually, in the last year, uh, increased its adoption of Fitbit very, very significantly. So we see that kind of trend. We actually see every country in Europe increasing their adoption. We also are proud to say that Fitbit's a leader in every country in Europe where we can measure that. Woody, I think it was only September 2008 that the tech public at least got their first look at a Fitbit tracker at TechCrunch 50. And yet when people now say Fitbit, they often mean fitness tracker sort of generically. But it took companies like Hoover and Xerox decades to achieve that sort of same synonymous use. Um, how have Fitbit done this so quickly and how have you sort of dominated and soared to market leadership within a relatively short period of time? Well, first I'd say um, that while you may mean other trackers, uh, most of the time they do mean Fitbit. <laughs> okay. uh, and, and the reason is, uh, I can say that, is because our market share is, is very, very high. Um, and so... Uh, in uh, so well over 75% uh, of the market in our most developed countries um, would be uh, sorry 75% market share in in, in um, our most developed countries. I think our success is a couple things. First of all, we're really focused on this category, and so since our very beginning, our mission has been to help people lead healthier, more active lives, and so all of our hardware, all of our software is really aimed at helping people make those healthy choices. Um, and so we've developed lots of great fitness features built into our products uh, as well as in our app. And then we've also more recently found new ways to make our products um, uh, more attractive to wear throughout your day. So that's, our, that's why we've invested in smart features. So uh, features that allow you to see call, text, and calendar alerts on your wrist-mounted tracker um, as well as uh, making our products more fashionable. So we have fashion partnerships, we have new leather straps you can wear them with. Um, it's all a way to fit people's needs. And uh, instead of thinking about a fitness tracker as something only for the ultra-fit people, we really look at it as something that can help everybody reach their health and fitness goals. Um, on that note, and I know you won't talk about future products because we're talking about new products today, um, but 
Is there a growing trend when I look at companies like Lifebeam and the work they're doing uh, or Athos and um, more wearable, a little bit of AI and Fitbit obviously as the market leader, mm -hmm. do you think we're going to see more, um, I mean, in two years time, will I buy a pair of trainers with Fitbit built into them? Are mm -hmm. they the sort of partnerships that you are perhaps open-minded to? Mm -hmm. We're certainly looking at um, all kinds of form factors. Um, I would say that um, the uh, the market for fitness apparel, I think, is further out. Uh, but I would say that uh, the interesting thing about having something on your wrist is that's a place where we can deliver information, and we can give you feedback, we can actually give you advice, we can actually gather information, and so it's a very convenient place. And so all of our products today, um, our newer products, are, are wrist-based, and, and I think people see that as uh, both a familiar form factor in a very um, effective place to, to gather and, and, and uh, deliver information. So risk, but of course, multi-form factor as well being important and continuing to be important to you, I presume. A absolutely. You know, when we talk about helping all people reach their health and fitness goals, we know there's a whole spectrum. So one size doesn't fit all. So that's why we've introduced Flex 2, which is a very popular price point at 99 euros. Uh, and that updates one of our most popular trackers ever, the Flex. Um, really reimagines it. And we've also introduced Charge 2, which is at 159 euros. Uh, it's really for the more active set um, and uses uh, wrist-based heart rate uh, to track exercise and also give you feedback on health and fitness. And so we, we actually have a spectrum of trackers um, with a bunch of different features um, and really addressing different markets. So um, yeah, it's uh, one size does not fit all. And um, generally then, as you look out into the future, um, IoT and um, Fitbit's um, ability to become embedded in our lives almost. Mm -hmm. I've tried uh, my Fitbit on my IFTTT channel. Mm -hmm. um, I, mm -hmm. You know, it's everything seems to live happily with my Amazon Echo, so I'm yeah. willing to try it. And you guys have a, have a, um, um, a significant IFTT channel. Mm -hmm. So... The IoT strategy for Fitbit, do you see more Fitbit embedded in our homes, in our lives, or connecting families, or what have you, obviously you're thinking about IoT, but any developments we're likely to see next year? Well, I might point out that we already are in IoT because we have our ARIA Wi-Fi weight scale, uh, which automatically tracks your uh, weight, your um, percent body fat, uh, gives you information on your body mass index. Uh, so we're already part of that, and, and Fitbit has always been very open in terms of um, uh, on the user's direction, we will connect your Fitbit data to other things like Amazon Echo. Actually, we have a, a, um, an app, um, I think it's called a skill for Amazon Echo, where you can actually ask Amazon yeah. Echo, uh, how am I doing on my Fitbit? And so I, I think we'll and become... And you can have your lights blink if it's really good. <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see more of that. I think one of the really interesting directions is um, that Fitbit is really not just about classic fitness. It's really about health. It's really helping people reach health goals. And so one of the really interesting places we find ourselves is in the world of digital health. And digital health means using technologies and embedding them into the healthcare system. Uh, to help people be more aware of what they do, to have more direction on what they do, to make behavioral changes that will have long-term health impact. And so for a variety of reasons, we actually see ourselves 
playing a very central role in that digital health revolution. Um, uh, earlier on, there was a, you referred to data. Mm -hmm. and uh, Fitbit uh, treat my data for my device very seriously. But the potential to unlock my data, I suppose, mm -hmm. is what, something I'd like to ask you about. Mm -hmm. um, right now, in this part of the world, although I believe it's the case in the US, I can start to have my doctor or my health insurer mm -hmm. um, take a look at my data, mm -hmm. um, perhaps remind me to walk more mm -hmm. or you know, look after myself a little better. If it's health insurance, maybe if I'm very active, mm -hmm. um, maybe pay less in health insurance. Mm -hmm. So uh, some people have said that it may not be democratic, mm -hmm. but it is a reward for being healthier and mm -hmm. fitter. Um, as far as unlocking the data in my, my fitness life goes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how do you think Fitbit will start to look at that over the next year or two? How, how, what can you start to connect for me? Mm -hmm. I think a couple of very, it's a, it's a great question. Um, first of all, I'll say that while we hear about a lot of those use cases for Fitbit data, it's really in its infancy. And we, we think it's a very interesting direction. We want to always be very sensitive to user privacy. That's central to what we do. We do not sell Fitbit data. We only share information on the explicit um, uh, opt-in, affirmative guidance from a, a user that they want us to share that data with a wellness program and ensure a doctor. So user privacy is paramount for us. Um, we're con you know, one of the interesting things about Fitbit is when you back up, we're not just sensing things, we're also a connected product. So that data goes to a cloud, which is very powerful. We can then apply analytics to it to come up with insights that we can share with you about things that can help you on your fitness journey. We can learn more about you and again, know what your goals are uh, but then we can do more than just give you information. We can start to provide guidance. And our mission, again, is to help people lead healthier, more active lives by providing data, yes, but also inspiration and guidance to reach your goals. And the more we know about you and what you're doing, the better guidance we can provide to you. And so we can really personalize that program uh, based on both goals and what you're doing and evolve it as we go. So I think Fitbit is in a very interesting position where we can really start to provide personalized health and fitness programs for people. And then going back to your initial question about uh, what are the um, potential positive uh, effects of that, the medical profession knows that getting people to make behavioral change is essential, but very difficult. If they could wave their magic wand and say, I can get people to be more active, to get more exercise, to get more sleep, to manage their weight, to eat smarter, to be less stressed, they know that they can make a very significant impact on chronic disease like diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and other things. The problem is for years of telling people they need to do that, they can't get people to make those changes. And I think Fitbit's in a position where working with the healthcare system, we can start, we can, we are getting people to make those sorts of behavioral changes. And so we have a lot of engagement. We have information on what people are doing. We can provide them guidance and insights and keep them motivated on that pathway to fitness. So gamification seems to work. Yes, it may, you know, it, it's sort of, 
it's a symptom of the human condition, mm-hmm. but we seem to respond to gamification. And if you add into that a pleasant, um, aesthetically very pleasing product that goes with you. Mm-hmm. So you think gamification obviously works and mm-hmm. it is part, I've seen your new, um, your new adventure trails mm-hmm. and how you're, how you're putting stuff together like that. But over, say, the next couple of years, Woody, do you think, um, do you think governments should have a part to play in this? And let me expand on, on mm-hmm. what I mean by that. So it seems perfectly logical to me that um, my health insurer should, in fact, give me a Fitbit for free mm-hmm. if, if, it, if it creates that step change to my activity um, and it helps me to avoid type 2 diabetes. It helps me to avoid obesity. Mm-hmm. I will, in turn, in 20, 30 years' time, be less of a burden on the health system. Mm-hmm. So Fitbit looked to me as if you are part of the long-term solution mm-hmm. in helping to change fit attitudes to fitness. But... I can't see government sort of doing what I suggest, but have you any plans or have you seen this work elsewhere in the world where even something as subtle as eliminating sales tax in a state or VAT in Europe and saying, well, no, this is, this is not an FDA-style approved medical mm-hmm. device, but it is a zero sales tax device because we think things like this will give us a healthier population, they will live longer and be less of a burden on the state. Feasible or not, do you think? Uh, I, I think things are moving in that direction, uh, and a couple of pieces of evidence. So in the U.S., um, the largest health insurer is United Health Group, and United Health Group has a specific insurance product where they do provide a tracker uh, to people, and they will reward them, not punish them, but reward them uh, for reaching certain goals. Um, secondly, um, you talk about gamification, and uh, gamification uh, absolutely works. Um, so we've just created a, an immersive experience in our app where you are actually virtually uh, walking uh, trails in Yosemite National Park. Uh, coming up soon will be the, the New York Marathon. And your steps in the real world translate into uh, progress along a trail in the app. And you get to see photography and you get to feel like you're there. So I think absolutely gamification, as you said, works. Um, but ba- back to the, the question of where is it going, um, uh, there's a uh, bill before the U.S. Congress which would actually give, uh, would actually allow people's health savings accounts, which is a way in the U.S. that people can set aside tax-free dollars to use for health uh, products and services, uh, a, a, a bill to, to approve use of those funds for health trackers. So I think exactly what you're talking about is starting to happen. I think the more uh, that we can not just track things, but also show that we're programs that actually help people make these changes, uh, we will see more of that happen. And one of the, not directly related to Fitbit, but one of the other signs that this is happening is in the United States, uh, there are programs called diabetes prevention programs. And they're really behavior change programs. They're a set of a curriculum that helps somebody be more active, manage what they eat, and lose weight. And up till now, they've required self-reported data. And they've been fairly antiquated in terms of how they deliver this curriculum. You might have to go into a seminar once a week or once a month. Um, but think about the future where Fitbit can actually be measuring how much you walk uh, can be measuring how you're 
weight is changing over time, can connect you to a coach so you, you can be much more convenient, it can fit your life, can actually deliver that curriculum, the right reminder at the right time in the right place to prompt you with a quick reminder or to give you a snapshot of what you're doing through either the Fitbit app or on the Fitbit device. And now you start to think about how much more effective that diabetes prevention program could be. And you've got a glimpse of the future. You've got a glimpse of how digital health can really start to make a big impact on people's lives. And for more information, of course, you can go to Fitbit.com and the new Flex and Charge models are on sale now. Thanks to Woody Scanlon, the team at Fitbit, and also to Fleischmann Hilliard for helping out on the podcast.